Eleanor without a bar. Welcome to 3PNR. I'm your host, Adam R. And joining me again is Dan Spell and Mike Penicello from MUFON. Gentlemen, how you doing? Doing good, Adam. How are you doing, my friend? Doing well. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of entertainment in uh, in the media lately. As far as we were just talking in pre-podcast about these uh, alleged UFOs that the government's shooting down. Um, they're using that acronym of, of UFOs or UAPs. And, and honestly, they're, I believe they're doing that. It's uh, it's a way of them kind of casting uh, a, like a doubt for people's minds. Like you don't want them to panic about it being like a foreign country doing this. And the, there's the allure of the UFO uh, phenomena that they're trying to kind of mix in there. I, I think personally to pull away people's attention from the media and kind of disregard it. Yeah, you you might be right about that. I just I, it muddies the waters about the real uh, UFO UAP issue. For sure. Indeed. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's kind of like what they did with the air force back in the fifties, right? They would play down something and they would, uh, attach it, you know, Roswell, uh, it's being, right. in my opinion, uh, there's a strong chance that that was recovered. There was military. And because of, you know, people like Kenneth Arnold who had spotted real UFOs, they, they lopped it together to kind of discredit what it was. that took place there. I mean, it's, it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. True. So for you, what's new in your areas, uh, Dan? We'll start with Dan. Oh, by the way, Dan Spells, a former uh, DOD Department of Defense. Uh, what's new in your area? Well, in, in Maryland, um, fairly quiet as far as UFO sightings being reported. Uh, our team has grown quite a bit, though. We're now up to 14 people with a leadership team and field investigators. So that's a good sign. We're real pleased about that. Um, I'm also part of MUFON's experiencer resource team. And I got assigned a case. It's an old one. goes back to 1974. A gentleman was in the Army out in Oklahoma. And he had a UFO sighting just outside of Fort Sill, Oklahoma. And he also had um, an encounter with entities in his bedroom. Uh, very near when that uh, UFO sighting took place. So I'm just getting getting started on that. I'm looking forward to hearing what he has to say, even though it is a legacy case. Yeah, and those are important. It gives a, it gives uh, a point of origin for a lot of uh, cases for and for people, right? It, it it sure does. And I would encourage, you know, any of your read, listeners out there, even if their encounters or sightings were decades or more ago, Go ahead and report it because that that will become part of um, MUFON's database and will help, you know, with with the uh, big data analysis. So yeah, yeah, please please report them, even though they may be older. Perfect, Mike Penicello, your area. Anything new? Well, we're up to uh, seven investigators. I have two more working on the exam right now. So once they're done, we'll be at nine. Um, our monthly meetings are doing pretty well. We pull about uh, sixty to uh, about about sixty people. Um, not yet at our pre-COVID levels, but we're still doing pretty good on uh, attendance, nevertheless. Uh, for cases, we don't really have anything that stands out. Uh, it's been kind of quiet. We have had a couple come in this week uh, that 
category ones, but um, you know, mostly just lights in the sky. We'll see how they develop once the field investigators make contact with them. Uh, they've been doing that this week. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, the chapter is humming along, and uh, we're looking forward to the spring to start doing some more other activities. Yeah, get more in the field. So, what what is on your opinion on these uh these quote unquote UFOs they're shooting down? Um, what it's mind boggling, and I say this because when you go back to the to the David Fravor incident, and this guy's using a super hornet, he's engaged with it, it's outmaneuvering him significantly. Um, the biggest thing of all, and I never hear this in the shows. I never any show or documentary. It's like it's they ignore this. These things are allegedly moving at 13,000 miles an hour, but there's no sonic booms. The air is not being disturbed around them. And so when you hear this, and this is 2004, almost 20 years ago, fast forward to now, we're shooting something like that down. There's no chance. There's no chance at all. Not, 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 with a, not even with an F-A-22 Raptor and it's, it's sophisticated equipment. We're not shooting one of these down. Whatever these are, in my opinion, foreign governments or somebody privately created a, a large drone. That's in my opinion. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I agree with you on that. I think that um, that these are not extraterrestrial craft for the very reason that if you look at historically aircraft that have had involvements with craft that were to believe to be otherworldly, they are not able to shoot them down. They have mechanical problems. They have electrical problems. They have radio problems. Um, they are basically teased by the UFO, they get within weapons range, and then the, the thing takes off and then stops. We, they're never able to catch them. And then the few times that they are able to actually fire a missile, the plane, the uh, US, the military plane is destroyed or injured to the point where it has to return back to base. So the technology hasn't changed. You're right. Like if you look at 2004, um, you know, you have the F-18 Super Hornet now, and you have the F-22 Raptor, the F-35. However, there's still basic concepts of what was in 2004. The avionics are a little more advanced. The electronics are a little more advanced. But a missile is a missile. And uh, so I, I think you're right. I don't think that what we're shooting down out there is truly extraterrestrial. I think that this is a smokescreen to hide something else. What that could be is speculation, and I don't want to <coughs> speculate on that, but... I don't think it's aliens. Yeah, I mean, in in recent times, we have, you know, this quote-unquote disclosure. And to probably, you know, mitigate the, the fear of, of society, they, they, they throw that, that verbiage in there. I, I noticed that right away in the news, that they were saying, like, uh, unidentified flying objects. I thought that to be very strange that they utilized that verbiage. And in my mind, I realized... Uh, People here, because of, you know, now China's a superpower, there's this issue with Russia and the Ukraine. So people here would go into fear knowing that foreign countries are sending objects over here for study or, or for reconnaissance, whatever it may be. And I think they utilize that that those, that verbiage to, again, mitigate the fear factor of, of our country uh, and maybe even play it down. So people are like, oh, well, maybe this is maybe we finally shot one of them down. But it, it's propulsion uh, and rockets. You know, outside of, like you said, more advancement as far as computer technology goes, same thing. It's not changed. We're using the same propulsion. We're using the same rockets. Um, the only thing that's different is one of them is a little more stealthy. Uh, it's It can be depicted as a bird on radar. But outside of that, not much has changed. And it's a scary thought to think that they'd finally 
go public. Our military, our, our government, and the, and the news channels are finally saying unidentified flying object when it suits them. And that's a, that's scary business to me. We got, I'm reading here. Actually, I'm reading right here. One of them was the size of a car, right? And, and through the history of ufology, I don't recall there being anything the size of a car that was reported. And if there were, I think the only one is that go fast, but even that thing was moving at an incredible rate of speed over the water. So I don't know. There, well, there was one that I can, I can, uh, mention and that was the object that allegedly touched on it outside of um in rendlesham forest that triangular shaped object according to the airmen on site was approximately that size it wasn't very big right that's the only one i can think of to be roughly the size of a car yeah and that object had like hieroglyphics on it if i remember correctly exactly yeah, to me that's a that's like a really sophisticated reconnaissance uh, vehicle. The way that it described it, the way he said it was behaving, it was near a base. It was like it was collecting data, and then he goes near it, and he got, I believe, he said it got like an upload of data in his mind, right, in the form of binary code. Yeah, that's creepy. But yeah, I have to I have to believe that those things are like I even think the smaller orbs are just there for data collection. And, uh, like we would do the same thing. We're not if we're going to a foreign country for any reason or exploring anything, we typically put like a smaller robot out there first, or or we get some sort of reconnaissance before we send a team in to make sure it's one worth our time and two it's safe. So that's that's the belief system I'm under currently. I think so. That that's their their version of a drone. Right. You know, we have the quadcopter drones right now, but they have these round orbs that they have that people are reporting. Right. That's the, their version of a drone. I, I have to agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, every time I'd spoken to someone, whether it be on or off podcasts and the interviews, and I hear about the orbs and, and what they do, and even around paranormal events, they all kind of sound like they have the same uh, purpose. They seem to be... Uh, doing like probe work in advance to make sure again, is it safe? Is it worth our time? That's what, I mean, that's what I gather from it. Yeah. So for you, so now let's get into the slides. Uh, you have a presentation here. Um, and so for those of you that are just listening, uh, Dan will walk us through with the slides or what it is we're looking at. And you know, he's going to explain and we're going to treat it like a, like a PowerPoint presentation minus the, uh, the images. So go ahead, Dan. Yeah. Mike and I, uh, prepared, a bunch of slides about possible impacts of full and open UFO disclosure. And if it's okay with you, Adam, we'll, we'll walk right through these. Yeah, good. I, I guess the first question that, that we ought to discuss is what does that mean? What does full and open disclosure entail? Well, for me, full and open disclosure is being completely transparent about something. Which, mm-hmm. uh, which exactly. are which our government can't you know they they they're, they borders on what they can or cannot do. Mm-hmm. So then, the question, guys, is what exactly would be disclosed? Say tomorrow, world leaders said that's it. We're coming clean. We're going to tell everything that we know. Huh. And there are some bullets here. Um, are they are they going to admit that past and ongoing government and military interactions with these? These entities, these ETs, would they do that, do you think? I, I So here's what I, I want to replace for the government to, to spare them. 
any kind of uh, ridicule moving forward, they should probably remove the word disclose and, and, and put the word acknowledge in. Because for them to disclose what they know, would that would, that, that would mean them um, releasing classified documents where if they acknowledge, they could say, yes, there are UFOs. We know they're real. Is there another biological life form out there? We, uh, we, are, we believe there might be so. And we believe they may or may not be coming here. Um, is there a hybrid program going on? Well, right now, with the evidence presented before us, we can't say to a certainty there is, but we are looking into it. So there's more power in them utilizing the word acknowledgement than there would be disclosure. Right. The other, you have another one, uh, physical entities from earth. And this is the actual uh, physical entities, as opposed to what some people believe they're, they're, some of them aren't physical at all. They're more, um, they're ephemeral, they're consciousness, but they're not, they're not physical like a grave would be or a Nordic. Right. That's a different, you know, are they going to, would they um, acknowledge that they're, there are physical beings. Would they acknowledge that maybe they're actually from here on earth? There's people who believe guys, right? That what's the word that was used for these uh, entities that aren't from another planet, but actually are from here on earth. You mean like us from the future? Yeah, that could, that could be. Yeah. You know, believe Um, it or not, that is the, I'd spoken to an archbishop and many other people of religion, and that seems to be their default. Whenever I ask them about uh, UFOs, it seems to be that they're pre-programmed to say that it's more likely us from the future, um, which lets me understand that they, that their their ability to accept the idea of life elsewhere is just non-existent, which is not a healthy way to look at things. It's not very scientific. No, it isn't. Uh, Because, look, in the near future, I guarantee in the next 10 years with all the probes we're putting out, I think right here in our solar system, one of these moons of one of these gas giants are going to produce life. And whether it be uh, microbiology or a plant, if we found a frog somewhere, something amphibious looking, right, it's going to change what we know historically, period. Mm -hmm. This slide. So, again, finish up on this slide because it's got interesting bullet points to it. I mean, it, it wouldn't just be them saying, yeah, acknowledging, yeah, we are being visited by others. But there's a whole slew of things that they would have to acknowledge. One, and Take a look at the one on the bottom there, laws of physics as we know them. Right. That would probably, it would change our understanding of um, of physics. Not all of it, but some of it. Right, I agree. Because so last night I was watching this program. Uh, it featured Lou Elizondo and several other figureheads that are well known. And he, they said they clocked one of these at 13,500 miles an hour. I had to sit down after that and I paused the show and had to think to myself, like, well, if you're going 13,000 miles per hour in our atmosphere, again, um, there would be sonic booms that would be heard at great ranges. Uh, the disturbance in the air alone would be, uh, you could hear uh, that's, you know, if you think what a sonic boom is, that's it really what is this a major disturbance in the air. Um, and then it banked, right. That's beyond the physics, what we understand. And, well, and just thinking of the airframes is one thing, but what about the, whatever's inside of them? A human being, I don't think could, could handle that level of gravity force. 
Yeah, the inertia in itself. I mean, consider this. The uh, SR-71, when it was traveling at, at Mach 3, I think it was like 3.5. Is that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. For, for that thing to make a right turn, it would have to utilize the area of a full state. <laughs> you know, there is no bank right. And then, you know, like we see in movies, it's it's turning probably, by the guess, the length of a full state before it, it, it accomplished a right-hand turn or a right bank. And then this object they're discussing literally uh, just turns right. And so I'm thinking to myself, what can we do as humans to, to accomplish this? And I, I'm still, I'm at a loss here outside because, you know, we have a physiology that we have to concern for when we're piloting something uh, and even drones. Like let's say you, you get a drone the size of a, a desk and it, it could achieve great rates of speed, like 13,000 miles an hour. It would still create sonic booms. It would still be heard. It would still disturb the air. Uh, so the fact that these things are moving at this speed and they're not creating sonic booms and there's no uh, air trail. Because usually when you disturb the air, the air behind it, it heats because uh, there's friction. And you would see that that trail, which most people today think is chemtrails and they're poisonous or whatever it is. Um, yeah. So these are the things I think about. And that's what I, it's not that it, it's not just curious, but it bothers me because that. That's way beyond. I don't think we're going to achieve that even in the next hundred years. No, I, I think um, we're very close to some form of that. Right. Um, another uh, research project that, that Mike and I did was on USOs and identified submerged objects. And what we found was a number of patents that were issued to the Navy for that very thing. Uh, believe one of them was something called inertial mass reduction that would give you that level of um, that level of speed without the without the the g forces. Right. Yeah. So what it does it it it, uh, it what's the word it it manipulates uh, gravity. It's not anti gravity, but it it does something. It creates like a bubble around the, the craft. So that it can make those maneuvers at those high speeds. You know, bear in mind, you ever get a like a uh, flashlight and you move it left and right really fast, and mm -hmm. you could almost see like a trail, right? Like because there's there's latency what our eyes see. Our basically whatever we're looking at in a room, uh, we're not seeing it in real time. There's a small delay from our eyes to our because the eyes are a part of the brain. That's something people don't realize. They're not they're, they're a separate organ. They're they're part of the brain. Uh, but even then, uh, you're pulling in, you're using light to see something. And then your brain, the computer, your brain is now uh, forming an image in your mind of what it is you're looking at. So there's a bit of a latency there. Mm -hmm. And it makes me wonder, because so, another thing is you hear these UFOs and, and they're moving. And is it you're seeing it move or did it, I don't want to use teleport, but it meant one point of origin to another point of origin. And the only thing that, that you're tracking is the, the light itself. So I mean, I, I it's mind it's mind boggling, Dan. This, this oh, keeps me up at is. night. <laughs> it, it sure is, and I, I would hope we get to to achieve that. Mike, let me ask you um, from from your experience and through the years, what, what do you think? If if you had to guess, what do you think? Therefore, and I don't want to use propulsion because if we understand when we say propulsion, it's you know in either pulling air in or ejecting out the rear or something. So somehow they're moving about. What do you think? What do you think they're doing? Um, 
Well, I think that if you're looking at the traditional UFOs, I believe they're probably using something along anti-gravity or riding a gravitational wave similar to just folding space. We know that the physics is there to accomplish that. Our problem as humans is we don't have a power source that's uh, large enough to test something like this. It's all theoretical at best. Um, I think that what's going on now in the field with Skinwalker Ranch and the things that you're seeing at Skinwalker Ranch and the possibility of a, of a portal, we know that portals, in theory, can exist with relativity. Uh, they call them wormholes, but the same thing, moving between different locations through uh, uh, subspace, that they might be using that. And whether they're coming from different dimensions, it's a possibility. Uh, or if they're just using it to traverse space as a as a fast mechanism, kind of like what they did in uh, Deep Space Nine with the uh, wormhole from the Alpha Quadrant to the uh, to the uh, Gamma Quadrant. So I think that either of those two methods are probably how they're moving about. Uh, I know the field is looking into. I know researchers in the field are going into the more paranormal aspect of ufology, where they're linking this with demonic entities and uh, uh, they go through they, that means they are some kind of dimensional being. I, I don't really want to go down that path. I'm not so I would more by choice but I think that the evidence for that um, I don't think that I still think that traditionally most UFOs are extraterrestrial based um coming their traditional way to earth and i think what they're using is gravitational um effects i think they're bending space time and maybe when they get here they're using electromagnetic generators um to to ride the electro to electromagnetic field of the earth kind of like a surfer does a wave i think that makes the most sense of how these things are moving around um or they're creating a little gravity field around themselves and uh, that would also explain why they can do such amazing speeds and bank so quickly because they're in their own little pocket of gravity and uh, um, neglect the effect of uh, our gravity on them and the effects of, of inertia and G-force. Think- so that's my my hypothesis. Um, but I don't really have much evidence to support that. Uh, so I can't say it's a, it's a 100% theory at this point. Well, you might be onto something there because if you consider... So when you look at the waves of an ocean, um, in it's there's molecules, right? There's many, many molecules. So the molecule itself isn't moving. It's the energy that's transferring through the molecule. And if you figure out a way to convert your, your craft into a form of, 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 and even if you utilize frequencies, like I, I've been, fi- I keep finding those words in all these reports: frequencies and vibrations. And if you utilize these frequencies and you put yourself in a frequency, you're basically transferring energy across the a sum of molecules, and which would make inertia uh, a, non, a non-factor. It's just a matter of how do we harness it and utilize it. Like you said, they, they're obviously doing something to replicate uh, here in our atmosphere what it is that they find naturally in perhaps wormholes in space. And that's that's the t- that's the that's the big question mark. How are they doing? I'm dying to know. Dan, moving forward with the slideshow. Go to your next. Let me know what you got. So the form that um, acknowledgement or disclosure, 
would have to come from a whole bunch of organizations by the U.S. government, by the Chinese government, by the Russian government, by the U.S. military, other militaries, by the United Nations. Scientists would have to be involved, those that have worked on these projects, by whistleblowers, by defense contractors, perhaps people in the medical profession who have had some involvement. Universities and labs, by the great religions of the world, and and lastly, by the by the beings themselves. It isn't just going to. I don't think it can be just the people on Earth doing it. You know, it's one thing for us, for our gov- government, our leaders to acknowledge it, but then the visitors are going to have to acknowledge it as well. Right. I'm and just by that, so looking at the list you have presented: uh, government, military, UN, scientists, whistleblowers. Contractors, medical professions, uh, universities and labs, religions, and and non-human entities. Well, we should say non-human intelligence because, again, we're not a thousand percent certain what their their physiology speaks to. Right, whatever they are. And and there may be different ones. There may be physical entities and there may be some who are... What's the word? Pure energy. Right. In any regard, they would have to utilize some form of intelligence to, you know, do what they're doing, manipulate space, come down here. It would require it because um, if you had like pure energy, let's say rabbits, they're not going to achieve the same things. Right. Um, right. So the, the the biggest problem I see up there are are probably government and religion. Uh, labor- and, and we're going to get into each one of those in a little bit. Right. Yeah, because religion, if you are outside of Catholics, the, 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 the Vatican has made a statement. They're looking into space, and if whatever's out there comes here, they're going to baptize it. Uh, <laughs> I guess they're, they're going to convince them that it's the right thing to do is to go to Catholicism or whatever nonsense they conjured up. Um, governments, however, like as we saw in the news with the objects that they're quote-unquote shooting down, using verbiage like uh, unidentified flying objects, there's a... There's a double-edged sword to the UFO phenomenon for the government. One, if they have knowledge of it, they want to suppress it for the other factors you have here as bullet points to, to again, mitigate hysteria. And two, what a great smoking gun for any kind of projects we're working on. You know what I mean? Like we, yeah. So for them, they, they have there's really no motivation for them to, to disclose or even acknowledge because it's, it's a great thing for them to, if we're testing a new thing out in Nevada and people see it like, Oh, it's a UFO. And the government's going to be like, well, hell yeah, that was a, that definitely that was a UFO, no doubt. And then, but if you ask that same guy, like, are they real? And do you have any he goes, well, we don't believe in them and we don't have any, but at the same time, it's okay for them to utilize it for a scapegoat. So it's, it's tricky business. Now religion and I don't mean to pick on religion, but there are some religions on this planet that even if tomorrow uh, they landed in all the major cities and, and had meetings with all the figureheads of the governments, there are still people that are going to call these things demons. And, and Sure. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's humanity at the end of the day. We're, we're very simple. We have a very singular mindset when it comes to believing things. Um, with the percentages like yourself and scientists and other people of belief, um, it's scary. So I don't know. I don't know how we're, like you said, reading this list you presented here, uh, that's a tall order. That's a really tall order. It's a very complicated um, issue. And how do you get all of these organizations across the planet to agree 
we can't get anyone to agree on anything. And how would we possibly get Russia, China, and the U.S. to agree on how this will be handled? Should that time for acknowledgement come? You're right. Because I'll tell you, you. Know, and the religions don't get along. The governments don't get along. Contractors are competing for money. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's going to take a real world statesman to pull that off. It would, or a complete threat to our species, because that seems to be the only time we bind together, right? When we got to figure right. something out. Right. So what, the- a good example of how I, I mentioned this in our podcast is how I think if, if we had this event happen and how the world would hopefully handle this would be from the movie Contact with Jodie Foster. If right. you remember how that movie determined who went to visit these aliens for the first contact, they set up a committee of members from that represented the broad, the broad spectrum of humanity. And they you can't find someone that will meet all the criteria, but they tried to find someone that will meet most of the criteria. And that would be the probably the best way to do it. Um, but that's only if the information becomes known. If it's kept secret, like if the U.S. somehow figures out or some government figures out how to contact aliens, they'll probably just do it themselves. And we might never know about it, Yeah, which is the worst way to do it. And Dan could tell you uh, straight away from government experience, <clears throat> they have this habit of compartmentalizing things. So not everyone knows everything, right? It's very that's likely. That's absolute truth. Yes. Yeah. It's very likely that some of these people you see in the military in the, over the past 70 years, when they're going on TV and saying, well, there's, there's no such thing as this. And blah, they believe that because it's compartmentalized to such a way that they don't know. They're, I mean, they're, they're having people of authority say, this is nonsense. Go speak to the public. And so this guy is not lying. He's being genuine when he says there's, that there, to his knowledge, there's nothing extraterrestrial. We don't have any craft. But he would not know. Our presidents, you know, I've had this, this conversation with several people. They seem to believe that the presidents know everything's going on. And that's not the truth. At best, a president has an eight-year run, at the best. So he wouldn't even have the clearance to, to know any of these. He wouldn't have the clearance to know about some of our black projects. He definitely wouldn't have the clearance to know anything about extraterrestrial life or anything that might cause his job is to run a nation uh, because he is there because of us. He represents the people that put him there. So it's the nation's interest first before any kind of classified... I think it was Bill Clinton, wasn't it, that tried to look into what we had as far as UFOs? He did. Well, uh, Carter did did as well. Yeah, and they both got shut down. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't have the clearance. <laughs> it's 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 you know, it's not bad either because you know that examples why America's great, right? Because we don't we have a president, we don't have a czar. There's no emperor, you know. But on the same note, it's uh, I could see why people have distrust. Because ultimately, people can handle things. We we acclimate pretty. I mean, if you look at COVID for the first six months, it was fright, it was terrifying, and Florida mostly had that. Like, well, whatever, I'm going to go live my life, and if it gets me, it gets me. You know, we acclimate pretty pretty rapidly. Um, so I'm. It's unclear who or how they would have to acknowledge or how they'd come forward about it. I think the biggest obstacle is going to be religion because if you have scientists up on this on this uh in the bullet point and uh universities and labs both of those if you were to present tangible evidence and they have a ship and there's an alien 
you better believe they're on board for the technology. That's all they, that's their whole motivation. It's all they care about technology. What could we get for this? Bob Lazar said the same thing. He didn't care about the UFO, the alien part. It was a technology he wanted his hands on. Right. And it, you know, that's, but that's a science mind. So you're out of this list you have in front of me, um, government, military, UN, and I think religion are the biggest pushbacks. Those are the cons of that list. So the pros on the list being uh, scientists, whistleblowers, contractors, unclear. I'm not, I don't know about that, but medical profession, if you had alien technology that could, you know, suppress cancer, they're on board and they don't care where it came from. Um, yeah. So the non-human entity slash intelligence now, you know, um, that's like us going to another planet and you see this, there's this, these life forms there and they're, they're at war all the time. They got sticks and they're killing each other. Do we go down there and try to in, in, in introduce diplomacy? I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it's scary business. It, it's tough. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically asking a primitive mind to expand itself in a short, it would take now, now by actually, as I'm saying it out loud, it would take a very long time to introduce yourself gradually, slowly wait for them to evolve more, you know, uh, more of a cognitive species and then approach them. Wow. Now that I say that we're, we're the primitive planet people. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Yeah. So now me saying it aloud, they're probably taking their time because we're not there yet. That's a scary thought. How do you think this would, would happen? And who would determine the acknowledgement or the disclosure? Is it going to be done by us or or the visitors themselves going to say, you know what? These people can't, they can't get their act together. They, they can't work together. They're going to screw up the great disclosure. They're going to, they're going to ruin it. We're just going to go ahead and do it ourselves just by showing up. I'll tell you what I think when, when the non-human intelligence would approach us uh, soon, we're going to build on the moon. We notice we're going back. I think it's 2025. We're going back 2025. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, Cause next year, next 2024, we're going to do a test run where we put pilots and they, they fly around and et cetera, et cetera. And then we're landing. That's if they stay on, on budget and on the timeline. Yeah, that well, you know, there's some other entities that are backing that up. Some some uh, silent billionaires are making sure that's going to happen. And their only motivation for doing that is because China is already led. They've already landed things there. Uh, and uh, by the way, for those people that don't believe we landed there in the 60s, China's calling us in, in so many words where we're, we pollute, we litter. There's litter on the moon. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's hysterical to hear that. But yeah, um, our motivation is that. So now you have Elon. He wants to go to Mars. He wants to terraform or at least start colonizing and then terraform. Um, when do uh, non-human entities approach us at that point when Elon, cause when you go to Mars and they put the applications out for the people going there, what's not going to be on the application is the religion box, the race box uh, and your political box. Those there's no check to be had there because on that planet, that is, it, it makes no sense to, it, it's uh, immaterial. You don't need it. We're going there to colonize and build for humanity a new place to live. And the ideologies that have us separating and, and dividing here, 
may not be present there. Can't be because we to be, to go colonize Mars, you must behave as a species, a one mind, or a singular. There's a singular goal here that we have to achieve, and so. Do I think the non-human entities approach us here on Earth and go to the different governments? I I don't think there's a chance. I think they go to Elon or other people like him that are colonizing elsewhere, and then that's the next slow step to get to this planet, right? It's got to start somewhere smaller. That's that's what I'm starting to think. One of the things there on the screen is the technology that might be revealed. What's going to happen there, guys? Do you think it's going to be shared openly, or is it going to be uh, handed out piecemeal a little bit at a time? I think it depends on how the disclosure happens. I think if the government has their way, they'll want to keep it classified. But if the alien craft land on Times Square or land in Central Park, then they'll have no, it'll be very hard to keep that technology secret. Because people want to know that they've seen the crafts. They've seen them flying around. They've seen them land. Um, I think it goes back to how, how first contact would happen. It would depend on how we get that technology. I think that falls to Elon again. Because if they're going to explore technology, you got to bear in mind, these entities have had ample time to watch our governments and leaders before government, you know, anywhere from czars to pharaohs. They've seen how we operate with people. Uh, there's definitely a hierarchy. There's the 1% uh, that dictate and delegate work and, and how you're going to live down to the, to the people below. So if they're going to explore the idea of technology with anyone, it's going to be the Elons of the world because it's not just Elon. There's other pioneers out there that have the idea of like, let's put a colony on the moon or they approach them. That's where the technology, if I'm a, a, a sophisticated, uh, more advanced life form, and I'm observing this planet as I'm seeing it now, in my mind, there's no shot I'm going give, to give technology to any of these governments because they're in competition with everything we've ever had that we created great was a military application before it was uh, used by the people, right? Like GPS was a thing long before we had GPS. It was a military application. The internet and the, and the ability to communicate with people everywhere, that was a military application long before we had it in homes. Uh, so we're if I'm a higher intelligence, I'm observing this, and then I see a guy like Elon and several other figureheads that have these same kind of uh, mindsets where they want to do something for humanity, and, and do, I think that's who they go to first. That I mean, that would be the logical choice to take because Elon also... He's not going to go share his technology with all the governments. He's at the end of the day, and that's right here on this on the list you had uh, prior was contractors. He's a SpaceX contractor. He builds these things and he contracts it out for the idea of putting people into space and satellites and going to uh, other uh, celestial bodies. So I, I think that's the answer personally. Yeah, Dan, you got the next slide up. Yes, the next slide, guys, is um, pertaining to the twenty twenty three. Uh, National Defense Authorization Act and the NDAA. In there, in Section 1673, is a section on UAPs, Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon Reporting Procedures. The critical part there is whistleblower protection. Huh. That will be a big part of um, disclosure. And I've, I've heard from people, you know, that say this is going to be a big year. A lot of um, 
people who were worried because they they signed an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, they can't talk. But if if they're given this whistleblower protection and now that that act is signed into law, they're going to come forward and talk about what what work they've done. And that, of course, pertains to um, reverse engineering or things like that of crashed craft that we've recovered. Well, it's a shame. So that NDA is NDAA is important. Yeah, it's a shame they didn't have that for Bob Lazar a long time ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would have made his life a lot better. Oh, much better. I mean, this this guy, you know, a lot of people don't like Bob, and they 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 think what he says is incredible and non tangible. But if you listen to a long time ago, twenty plus years ago, where he described how these objects would behave, where they would turn belly up and go to the direction of the belly. And then you watch the, the gimbal video and several other videos and they behave exactly that way. Yeah. That's mind blowing. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. He described, uh, elements long before they were charted and now, and they called them, you know, they said, oh, you're full of shit. And now those very elements are charted. They're known. This is science fact. Uh, this, I think this is a big deal. So this protects any whistleblower, right? Yeah, it does. <laughs> and this is, this I mean, is, th- there are, there are limits to it. Of course. I mean, they can't, when they, when they come forward and talk about the work they did, they still have to protect certain classified information. Sure. Yeah. In, in other words, they can't give everything away, but they, they will be allowed to talk about work that they've done involving UAPs. Yeah, I would agree because that UAP research and, and, and discovery is not going to benefit foreign countries as far as uh, copying ideas of what to use. Um, so, and they very well can't come up with, well, we also have an aircraft that we're, because they can't do that because that's our black project aircraft. Right. I get that. Um, so this is government, the government created this, right? This does protect everything. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's a number of people I'd spoken to. Now, I'm glad we, now that I, I hear this, and I was unaware of this, some of the off-podcast interviews I do, a lot of these guys are military, and their fear of even speaking about it is the reprisal that would come with it. Um, one guy, and you know, I, clearly I won't say his name. I just had an off-podcast interview today with a gentleman. Uh, but his, his ex, he, he worked for a laboratory in California, um, and his job was kind of in and around uh, energy and how to sustain it without modern, uh, you know, fuel, et cetera, et cetera. And he says uh, he would frequently see uh, other military figures come in and they would go to a sub-level that he can't achieve. But that, by him saying that, that could be any building, right? I mean, you could go to the headquarters for Xbox and they have a, a floor where they're creating games and they don't want it leaked out of them. I mean, they're going to have a, uh, an area you can't get to. Sure. But, but even though... He says that uh, he believes in the next decade we're going to be making leaps and bounds with sustainable energy for our country. So, but for the military guys, uh, I hear the same thing from them. They just they don't want to deal with the blowback. Um, and so this program, I can introduce this idea. Maybe it'll influence someone to come come out. I would think. Now there is there is one thing to throttle or slow down that um, these whistleblowers coming forward. According to the NDAA, Section 1673, they have to do so through um, authorized channels. In other words, they just can't go to the New York Times and say, hey, man, I'm, I've been working on UFOs out in, in Nevada. 
they have to do they have to come forward following um protocols right that i imagine that's to screen them to make sure they're not going to come out and talk about the new jet we're building right right so i mean right. if, if you go up there and say hey listen this is who i am i work for blah 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 and I want to discuss uh, what my findings or what I, you know, the things I know about, you know, UFOs, UAPs, whatever it is. So long as you're not talking about military missiles and guns and jets, I think that's why they go through those channels is to filter out what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. I think you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, in my mind, because if you go, if the guy goes straight to CNN and he's talking about um, UFOs and et cetera. And then he's like, yeah, it's in the same compartment as this new jet we've been working on. We call it the bobble. It cats out of the bag. Right. So yeah, I can imagine, I can see the, the imagine a whistleblower from the sixties and we're working on stealth technology in the sixties. Uh, yeah, it, that, it, that cats out of the bag. Cause we didn't really know about the F one seventeen and the B two till, uh, 91 in Iraq. That's, yeah, and people thought those were UFOs. Right. People that were hanging out around Area 51 believed they were looking at UFOs. Yep, exactly that. Because they were, I mean, relevantly silent. And, you know, just to clear it up for people in this other thing, too, no matter what's moving through our air, no matter what size it is, if it's moving at a high rate of speed, it's disturbing air. You're going to hear the airflow disturbance, period. Um, which makes the allure of UFOs that more uh, exciting because there's been large, there, there's a guy I've spoken to and this isn't one guy. This is, I've spoken to David Marler. Uh, David Marler was on, you know, Netflix and several other shows. Is, is he the, the gentleman who, uh, very knowledgeable on black triangle? Yes. Yes. He okay. is, bear in mind, some of these things are great in, in width and length, but it's, it's how thick they are. They're basically a building going through the air. And you would, if Walmart got up tomorrow and flew across your neighborhood at just 30 miles an hour, you would hear, it would be disturbing the air. You would feel the pressure change as it goes over you. These objects are not doing that. <laughs> That's, that should really capture people's minds and understand that whatever we're up against here, whatever these are, they're utilizing physics that we can't comprehend, period. And yeah. that's, that's what makes it tough. Uh, again, should, should full UFO disclosure happen? Well, we kind of discussed that. Um, well, let's take a look. There's a quote here, um, on the screen and I'll, I'll read it for the audience by John Podesta. John worked in the, uh, the Clinton administration, I believe. Yeah. And he, he wrote, or he stated, I think it's time to open the books on questions that have remained in the dark on the question of government government investigations of UFOs. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. It is time for the government to declassify records that are more than 25 years old and to provide scientists with data that will assist in determining the real nature of this phenomenon. He, um, I believe, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, Podesta was tasked by President Clinton to go find out what was happening. And he, I think, was stonewalled. Does that sound about right? That's exactly That is correct. Okay. So during the Clinton administration, uh, there were movies, popular movies, uh, Independence Day, uh, 
several of them, where they just they they describe Area Fifty One. Now we're denying the existence of that base at this time. Area Fifty One is fiction. Uh, the only U.S. president to acknowledge its existence and and get and bring it to fruition that it's a thing was Obama, right? Now, from Clinton to Obama, there's a president there in between with two terms, right? And when the Clinton administration really started digging into this, it was prior to the to the popular movies. We're talking, uh, I believe that was in 1994, where, uh, yeah, yeah, 1994, they're, they're, he's making inquiries into the UFO phenomenon based upon something that he read, an article from Jimmy Carter about what Carter saw on a, on a plane flight. Another um, piece of memoir from Ronald Reagan where Ronald Reagan was on a flight and he saw something that was enormous and moved at a, at a great rate of speed. So naturally, uh, Bill Clinton looked into it. He was a, keep in mind what Bill Clinton was. Uh, at the time, I believe is the youngest president in elected. Is that right? Or is it Kennedy? They're very, they're very close in age. I'm not sure who was the younger of the two. It's either Kennedy was 46 or Clinton was 46 or because one of them had been four. Well, any regard, Clinton was a really outgoing, outspoken, very down to earth guy. And he went digging into this to find out about it. And like you said, he put pedestrians and he had a small team to, to investigate. And they got shut down at every angle. He got shut down. And the, the key purpose reason is because he lacked the clearance. And when people hear that, they're like, well, what a, that doesn't mean he's a president. Well, he's only there for maybe eight years. How did they know he doesn't drop out of presidency, go write a book about all the government secrets? You know what I mean? Um, right. <laughs> it's people in the know. And I tell you, when you want to know who's in the know, go to public records, find out what general has been sitting the longest and you'll find a, a fair amount of them. They've been in, and they've been hanging around, uh, decades, um, colonels and generals and people in the know. And even those guys are compartmentalized. They only know what they, what one might know. The other may not know. And, and in some, in some way, that's an intelligent thing to do because, if one guy does decide to leak, he's not leaking the full amount of information. So at the end of the day, who knows everything? I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Who knows everything? No, I don't, I don't think they do. Yeah. I don't think there's one individual who just knows all right. There's no cigarette guy from the X-Files. I don't believe. And even that guy didn't know everything. <laughs> Let's go. Pros and cons. Yeah. Read it off, Dan. Okay. So, the pros of full and open disclosure or acknowledgement. As Podesta said, the people deserve the truth. The people can handle it. They just need to be told what's going on. Another pro is humanity may advance by any new technologies that are um, shared or revealed. And there's a certain uh, segment of the population that are really into the UFO phenomenon that are hoping and praying that earth and humanity will be saved by these visitors true or not. I cannot say, but that's there. There are people that are hoping for that. Another one. Yeah. You know, it's just hypothetical. Was peace will prevail if they come, if, if, if we acknowledge that they're here, can you guys think of anything else? What other pros uh, I think one pro for certain is that we will start viewing each other very differently, right? Because right now we still view one another based on color, culture. Uh, yeah. I think when you have a new species and you figure out how they, they achieved what they achieved to get here, because I promise 
They didn't do it by having ideology involved. At some point or time in their existence, they had to say, we have to do as a species, like how we are going to Mars, as a species, we have to do this. And we have to, in order to do this, because this is, whether it be portals or traveling the vastness of space, we're going to be together generations. You're not going to travel, you know, the universe in a single generation, even if you have achieved the speed of light, even if you're using wormholes. Uh, Think how huge the universe is. There's going to be a few generations there. Uh, If you have these great technologies for us, forget it. (laughs) We have to figure out a way to freeze ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So the only other pro is I I think humanity takes a better look at one another uh, to appreciate what we are versus, you know, because if these, these, so far, these observers, these entities are so far, they're benign, right? They're neutral. They haven't hurt us. And whoever gets abducted, they get returned. Like whenever humanity, whenever human science abducts animals for study, they don't go home. They, they, the majority of them don't even live after we go home. Uh, so for the most part, they're neutral. What we should be thinking about is if they made it here, what's next to make it here and what's their agenda? Will they be the same way? Because, I mean, if you look historically speaking, these things have been around for thousands of years, according to historical record. And, and uh, some some of the, uh, you know, well, the ancient aliens, I don't know. But we would have to, look, I think that'd be the, the key thing of all of it, is we would definitely look at uh, each other differently. Uh, the flip side of the coin is people are radical. It's pushback. Um, so, yeah, go with the cons, and we'll see if that pops up. That very first bullet I have is what if the truth about the visitors and our own very existence, if what if we find out that it, it's absolutely horrid? I'll give you an example of that. There are people out there who are saying that um, humans are nothing but property to these entities. What if what if that what if that is correct? What if our very existence, in another example, is it's um, a type of a matrix, a game? Have you guys heard that? I have, actually. Mike, what what are your thoughts on that, Mike? Curious. Now we're living in a hologram? Something like that, yeah. Um, It's hard to believe. The math shows that it's possible. Uh, It would explain a lot of things. but what can you give an example of that? What do you mean? What what would it? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So, like one of the examples that would it would give would be uh, the whole idea of well, aliens traveling through space because you would not be in a three dimensional area; you'd be in a two dimensional. I don't really understand the <laughs> physics behind it, but that's one of the ones that was. Ex- um, explained. I actually did a PowerPoint presentation on this a long time ago, and I'm trying to remember what I put into it. If you want, I can pull it up. Just give me a minute. But um, yeah. But the thing about it, the two is, is I don't know. I guess it's because it's it's. I'm trying to articulate. I'm sorry. I'm not doing a very good job. No, no, you're fine. So I, I guess the question is, what if what if um. What if we're just lab rats? What if that that turns out to be, or some variant of that? Well, I'm going to tell you, Dan, that that's the likelihood of that is very likely. I'll tell you why. Let's pose back to what we said earlier. Um, you travel to a planet, you find primitive life, us, 
um, we're killing each other for reasons that they can't comprehend. Like, oh, they're really killing each other over their belief system? Like, do they not value life? Uh, in their eyes, if you have to read literature to know killing another human is wrong, something's wrong with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, bear in mind, Earth is what, now we know that there are not just other exoplanets and, and, and other galaxies. We're exploring the idea that we might be a bubble of, of a universe and, and inside of a larger plane of many universes. Um, mm -hmm. I think there's more than likely with their technology and what they're capable of achieving. And, uh, and we see it, there's the likelihood that there are many, many planets with life equivalent to us or, or more primitive than us, or even slightly more advanced. Even if you add a thousand years to humanity, what are we doing in a thousand years? I still don't think we're achieving what they're achieving. Um, we might get there eventually. Um, but we're one channel in a larger national geographic study by these non-human uh, intelligence. They're mm -hmm. probably studying many planets. My, I talked to my daughter about this. Um, if we found another solar system in our galaxy, not when I say not far away, 60 light years, but that's, you know, that's pretty far. <laughs> if they are equivalent to us in technology, they have the same radio technology, the same internet, all that stuff. We still can't hear from them for, it takes a hundred thousand years for a radio wave to cross the, the, uh, the galaxy, let alone the universe. Uh, so if anyone's equivalent to us and there's many uh, civilizations out there that are equivalent or even slightly more advanced, we're still not going to hear from them. So it makes me wonder why SETI is still funded the way it is. Um, now flip to the other side. Many civilizations have probably gone extinct already. Some of them have yet, to, or they're right in that stage. There's probably planets that are right in that stage where they're becoming single cell organisms to, you know, evolve to something else. So my answer is, are we lab rats? I think so. We're being observed. If, there's, if, they, if they've been around for as many of 100 years of, as claimed, and they haven't approached us yet, the only explanation for that is we're, we're here for study. Uh, their only motivation to go after our, our nuclear technology and shut down missiles and because they don't want the study to die. We got to preserve the study. So why do they pitch right. peace to humans? Whatever you hear a lot of these, these people have experienced say, well, they're telling us to be peaceful and not to kill each other. Well, of course not. The channel will go dead. <laughs> you know, ratings for this planet are really high. You people are interesting. And that's that in my opinion, I think, yeah. So to, to that point, yeah, we're lab rats in some form or another entertainment mostly and, and science study, but it, it still forms to the same, to the same point. Okay. The next one. There are, there's a, an argument, guys, that unlike what Podesta said, what if the people can't handle the truth? What if, what if that from that first bullet that the, the truth is absolutely horrid? Can people handle handle that knowledge? It, when if everything that they've been taught and believe their entire life is deemed wrong and false. Well, I don't think they're going to handle it so much as they're going to acclimate because if it's beyond your power, uh, all right. If UFO, if UFOs touch down tomorrow, we see them and uh, they're, you know, they're, they're subhumanoid and we're, they're treachery looking and they, it, it destroys our belief systems. Uh, we're going to be, 
you know, we're going to be messed up for a little while, but eventually life goes on. People, if we learned anything about humans, we are so uh, self-centered, self-serving and preoccupied that it's, it's the shock of it will wear off within a few years. And it more than likely will become to the point where we, unfortunately, we have a new thing to get on social media and bash or have new reasons to discriminate. Then there'll be the pro groups that are going to embrace them and there's going to be set and there'll be a new reason for humans to separate against one another. It's going to be this thing where, where we say, well, we're pro the new life forms. And then there's the people like they're the devil. And then there's the other people like they just don't belong. That's just human nature. So handling it, no, we're not going to handle it. We are going to adjust. We're going to acclimate over time. Uh, religion, listen, if anyone out there is going to acclimate the fastest, it's going to be the Catholic Church. Out of all the religions, they're going to be the ones to adjust. They're, they're the wealthiest conglomerate on the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last thing they want to do is collapse, which is why you hear them saying things like, we'll baptize them. We're looking into space stuff. They're adjusting now. They're already making adjustments because they're making room for the idea that we just might find something and we have to be in a position where we embrace it first and we say it's God's creation. And mark my words, in the course of time over the next decade or so, you're going to start hearing this this evolution of the, the, the biblical word about how God created everything everything that's going to yeah. happen. I promise. Well, it's in the book of Genesis already, right? Right. But they're going to expand God created on that. heavens and the earth. Exactly. And they're going to expand on that very, because it yeah. used to be God made here and here alone and everything revolves around us. And as we become more sophisticated and we use better technologies of study, they start evolving the biblical word. We've seen this happen. Like we've seen Kings like King James changed the Bible. He didn't like the thieves of thou's, that book can't exist because it's contradicting something in my campaign as king. We've seen this happen. So religion will acclimate overall. Um, and there's even like Buddhism where to them, it's going to have like little to no effect because at the end of the day, it's about loving life and, and, and being equal to life. So to them, culture, race, and, and they don't, you know, uh, immaterial. Uh, However, in the Muslim slash, uh, I don't know, that's going to be tough because we're in the 21st century and they're still practicing medieval uh, practices over there. You know what I mean? Right. Unfortunately, a, a, a good segment of them are. Yeah. Who knows? Though? They, that could evolve, too. I, who knows? It's a, it's a wild card for sure. Well, we it, just don't know it, about it, some of them. It could be that aliens come and some of the people who follow that, that Muslim stance say, wait a minute. Who are they now? And so they take their faith and they expand on their own faith and say, now let's make room for more. You know, maybe that could be a plus. Maybe it changes all religion for a good thing. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, global economic. Uh, so the global economy will collapse that. So there, that might be something. What do you think of that, Dan? Mike, you want to go ahead? What do you think? You want to take that one first? Well, I think, uh, like anything else, when something shocks humans, the stock market is always influenced um, for the good or the bad. Uh, let's give an example. COVID-19 comes out. Uh, people for a year and a half, two years are struggling. You know, workplaces are closing. And we watch the stock markets affected by this. Now, we, we're not even recovered from uh, from the COVID pandemic. We're really still not recovered from it. But thereafter... 
we watch things like rent go up, food go up, and now we're going to, the war starts and we're going to blame the war for food, gas prices going even higher. The global economy is literally manipulated by the people of power because who's to say what gas costs? We, it's not like we're running out of it. You know, we know, we know in Alaska, we have enough oil reserve to carry us through uh, uh, hundreds of years. So, the the aliens coming and crashing the economy, I don't know, because people are still consumers. They're still, you got to remember what human beings are. Who has the nicest pair of shoes? Who has the better phone? Who has, that's who we are in our nature. It'll slow down for a few weeks because we're the shock of it. Like, oh my God, these things are here. They're new, but it'll wear off. Uh, so I don't think the economy will collapse unless our visitors say, hey, why are you paying for electricity being formed out of fossil fuel and et cetera, et cetera? Well, Bingo. There you go. Right. That's the, that's the issue of the petroleum economy. Right. That's where the economy. So not so much the economy as is industry will take the hit because our visitors could say, well, wait a minute. Are you really opening all these facilities and treating cancer when we could give you this? And when I say this, uh, I don't want people to misunderstand me by saying that they have something in their planet that's better or their ship that's better. Uh, it could be the venom of an ant in the Amazon forest that cures cancer and we neglected it or we ignored it and they present it and now it's out in the open and there's nothing that can be done about it. So the economy overall, as far as consumers, won't be uh, really hurt. It's uh, It's industry that's going to take the blow because when you have that kind of technology in your face and they're offering it up, yeah, that's where the problem hits. What are your thoughts on, uh, so you have another one, government will fall. That's catches. So what do you think of that from your, because you worked in government, what do you think would happen there? I, of course, I've only worked for the U.S. government, so I can't speak what Russia, what China, or even the U.K. would do. Right. I, I think it depends on how the government handles it. Right. And how, if if that uh, open um, communication and uh, meetings with these entities takes place, it depends on what the governments do. So I guess what I'm saying is that the governments of the U.S., China, Russia, England, and the rest, Australia, and the rest of them, it's in their hands. It depends on how they react to it. If, they're, if they tell the truth or if they lie about it or don't handle it well. Mike, what do you think? I agree with Dan. I think um, there's a, it's just, well, what was the question again? I'm sorry. It's, it's the government. Will the government collapse? No. Right. Government's going to survive. It's the government's not going to collapse with disclosure. I think. Um, what about totalitarian states, Mike? I, that's a wild card, right? Like Iran, for example. Well, they're pretty violent. I'm pretty sure what they'll do is just kill everyone back in the submission, kind of like what they're what we do with these totalitarian totalitarian states are doing now. I'm a little more pessimistic. I think uh, on that regard. I think that. Human nature is human nature. It, you know, disclosure and you and a UFO craft coming will get the ball started on a lot of things that we've already talked about. Um, 
but I, I, I don't know if, if it can change the full fundamentals of human nature to the degree that it'll take down totalitarian states, it'll reorganize government into a one world government, and we'll all live like Star Trek in a peaceful society. I think that we have to do that on our own. And I think that's one of the reasons why we haven't been contacted by um, higher civilizations, because I think they're waiting for us not just to reach a technological level where we can um, understand their technology and, and use it in a way that won't destroy it ourselves, but we also have to raise our consciousness and we have to become more evolved as a human species to get past some of our more primitive tendencies. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why we don't have disclosure. And when we do that on our own, when we start changing our consciousness and we start rising up and changing our more basic fundamental um, instincts like greed and jealousy and um, control and power, that will start taking down the totalitarian states. That will change the way we look at government and the way we look at each other as a species, as a, as, as a more of a, a group of connected individuals instead of those of the haves and have-nots and the elites and the peasants. And then I think we'll have disclosure. And so I think that's what they're waiting for. And um, so, yeah, the long way around your answer is I don't think it's going to change the way states are functioning now. But I think when we do have disclosure, we would already have changed the way we interact with states, states with the capital S. I agree. So on the cons list, <clears throat> we have uh, people will panic. Religion will c collapse. Uh, governments will fall and anarchy and global strife and war. I'm going to lop those all together. Uh, I'll tell you why. As humans, and I know people like this, there are people who they believe the Bible verbatim. That is it. That, that is the written mm -hmm. word, the written law. <clears throat> when you introduce another civilization, another species from somewhere else, they are going to question their, their figureheads in their churches. They're going to say, what is this now? Because you've been telling us for all these years, this is it. And this isn't just going to happen in Christianity here in America. It's going to happen everywhere. Uh, Muslims and other, and other religions are going to question their religious figure. You told us this. What is this now? Then you're going to have anarchy. Because people are going to push back. You know, I hate to say this again. How many human beings don't kill someone because of religious fear of hell? How many human beings don't cheat on their spouses in fear of going to hell? You know what I mean? A lot of people, they live their lives God-fearing. Uh, and then there's a the majority of the people that don't believe in God, that they live their lives in fear of government and going to jail for reprisal of things they might do. Um, and then people will, once once we have a civil uh, civilization, another species come here, people are going to look at the government and say, why have you not told us sooner so yeah, you're going to have anarchy at a lot of levels. Um, it will eventually iron out. Like I said, people will acclimate, but for the first few years, it's going to be chaos because it's not so much of the fear, the panic. It's have we been lied to? Why are we living our lives in this, this state that we're living in currently? If these rules do not abide, they don't apply to us. So the responsible party here are the non-human intelligence. They're responsible to come here and convey a message. Uh, we don't want you to be misled. 
the rules that you live by are the rules we live by. We don't kill one another because there's a higher entity up there, a greater consciousness, if you will. Um, is it exact to the book you guys have been reading? Not really. I mean, the Ten Commandments make sense, but the rest of it, you know, open for interpretation. Uh, a lot of Muslim people, it, and I've, I've learned this in recent times, uh, the Quran is viewed by religious figureheads and it's not shared in its entirety to everyone. It's it's translated in, like as you go to a, see your pastor at a church, he has a sermon and he takes a part of the Bible that's interesting to him for that week and he creates a sermon around it. And so what he's really doing is taking the words of the Bible and forming his opinion on what that translates to, to his, his uh, constituents. And that's where things become problematic because people want to believe. You want to trust your, your religious figure. You want to trust your government. And the minute you find that, that you feel that they're not being you know, transparent with you, uh, that's where problems start. And that's the pushback of humanity, in my opinion, at that point. That's going to be the anarchy. Uh, will the government collapse? No, they're going to operate. But I promise you there's going to be a lot of compartments that are going to be changing. Uh, the NSA, what do they do? Dan, what do they do? What does NSA do if they decide to land and talk to us globally at once? Like, what? They have to- well, NSA um, has two basic jobs to collect signals intelligence on our adversaries. And the second part is cybersecurity. Huh. So they don't really have, other than uh, helping track what's going on in the skies with our sensors, they. I don't know that they'd have a real heavy uh, involvement with it. What part of the government would address, like if tomorrow they landed in every state at the, uh, at the, you know, uh, wherever the, the mayor is, everywhere, every city, they just landed to have a, a, a unified, we're going to bring this to the surface. Well, who who handles that in the government? Well, the, 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 the military would be all over it, followed by the uh, CIA and the State Department. They're they're probably the ones that would be all over it. Makes me wonder if they have a protocol that exists for that. I mean, I would think they have to. They have to. If they're seeing what they're seeing around our military uh, installations and aircraft and nuke, they they had to have formed a protocol by now. We're not privy to it. I can't prove it, but I bet they do. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't be privy, but there has to be one in place just in the event of. I mean, we sent the Voyager probes in the 70s with a message to potential uh, extraterrestrial life. And these are advanced scientists. They didn't do that because they said, well, there's nothing there, but just in case they had to have an idea that someone somewhere somehow will come across this. Otherwise they wasted real gold. They they made that record out of solid gold. Right. (laughs) So what a waste of money. Um, In a nutshell, in summary, I think people, I don't think they're going to handle it well. I think they acclimate. I think government will have to adjust. Religion's going to take the biggest hit, and not because, you know, they're not going to be able to try to collect themselves. It's just how many people have blind, and I know these people, Dan, I'm related to some of them. They, If you speak aliens to them, it's, it's, it's the devil's work. If you, if, you, uh, if you go against God in any way, shape, or form, you're going to go to hell or purgatory or whatever it is. I know people that think like this, and to me, and I hate to say this, but I, it's like they're brainwashed, you know, like I'm as a young kid, call everything in the question. You know what I mean? Well, you know, and I, I, I use the tower of Babel as a, an example all the time. So when I first heard that story 
And it really stemmed from me asking a relative, why are there Asians, whites, blacks? Why are we different? And they, that's what they gave me, the Tower, the tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel. <laughs> yeah, because we went to go find heaven, and God struck it down and changed us by nation and language and et cetera, et cetera. And, and I remember being a kid thinking, we have NASA. <laughs> you know, we are beyond the tower, you know? So at the end of the day, we evolved in different places, and we evolved differently. We're still human. We have the same DNA. We are all family here. And until the day we realize that, I don't think a sophisticated beings going to want anything to do with us, period. I think Elon and some of these other people, like I said, they're, they're the ones that get approached when the time's right. When they see that they're going to this other planet and the people are going to this planet to, to create and terraform that they're, they're not going there with any ideology. They're going there as a human race to build and, and terraform together. That, that's the guy that gets approached. Not the good. There's no way they're going to approach the government first. What do you have? Uh, what do you have on, on the end here, Dan? Ah, question is good question has disclosure already happened in some form in other words have we been given over decades a salami slice um disclosure are we being acclimated to the fact of these these visitors using mass media whether it's movies music books tv shows and documentaries and you guys well know there are scores of these out there available to watch, read, and listen to. And also the release of the, the military videos. Is that a subtle way of prepping the population for a disclosure? And of course, the New York Times article. Huh. Or is all of that coincidental? Well, it's not coincidental. Um I might have said this before. So on my phone, my screensaver on my phone is a clock that's fading. And I put that on my phone because it reminds me that these we're all up against time. Time is not on our, t- on our side, period. So what we do each day, we have to get the most of it and make the best of it. Because those precious minutes, when they pass, they're past us. It's over. So... That same thing could be said for the U.S. government. Why are they releasing these videos? Why are they speaking up now? Why are they bringing this to our attention now? I think the clock's running out. Uh, let's be honest. Billionaires are going to space, and they're doing it competitively. Uh, you have one billionaire by 2026 wants to have a cruise that goes around the moon and back. Uh, another billionaire wants to put celebrities into orbit for elongated periods of time to not only be out there and experience space, but to film, to have a reality show. Um the clock's up. We're out. The clock's on us. And eventually, one of these billionaires is going to go to space. They're going to see something. Well, no. And bear in mind, if we're having a billionaire create a a cruise, a luxury cruise around the moon, and for whatever reason we go to the dark side of the moon and we find some structure, and it's being speculated right now as we speak, uh, and not even by us, China has speculating that there's a large structure on the dark side of the moon. That's got their full interest that they they now want to send a probe to that location. Our billionaire is going to have these, this cruise established before China gets the ability to go to evaluate what this is. So if you have a cruise full of people and they see this mega structure, uh, the questions are going to start and then they're going to see perhaps maybe UFOs or UAPs or the clocks against the government right now. So I think this closure is not done because they care and they want to share the wealth of information. 
I think they're coming to a point where they have to. They have no choice. Uh, Technology is getting right. more sophisticated. People are seeing more. Cameras are getting better. We're going to have Neuralink soon. Who knows what we're going to observe on our own. So I think they're on right. the clock. Okay. Uh, media media, and UFOs, 1902, Wow. Yeah, we did a little research on this. And some of these numbers may be low, especially to five alien UFO slash alien documentary movies. I think that has gone up quite a bit. But what we found was since 1902, 645 movies have been made that in some way involve space travel and UFOs. 8,000 books at least. And the interesting one are the number of songs that have been written that contain references in the lyrics to UFOs. Uh, At least 55 TV shows including, you know, dramas and comedies. Uh, they, the documentary movies, it, it's got to be well over five by now. And um, if you look at look at some historical paintings that sh- they actually show what look like flying saucers in them, at least 10 of those. Huh. So it isn't anything new. This stuff is, you know, we've been exposed to this for a long, long time. The UFO alien documentary movies are that's that number is easily in the hundreds. No, I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. UFO alien historical paintings. uh, I don't know that 10 could be, I mean, if you're talking to ones that are in, uh, you know, biblical paintings and and, exactly, that's what I'm talking about going back antiquity. Yeah. I feel like that's an accurate number. Uh, 8,000 UFO alien books. That's crazy. Over 8,000. 645 UFO alien movies. That's that's going back to 1902. That's impressive. And 86 songs written. Uh, oh, yeah. <clears throat> I have a I have a spreadsheet with a list of all those, too. To add to that list, Dan, there's a song by uh, Porno for Pyros called Pets from the 90s. Really? Yeah. And it's it's Perry Farrell. He used to be in Jane's Addiction. And he has a okay. song. I've it, heard of them. Yeah, it's called Pets. And it's by Porno for Pyros. If you listen to that song. He's basically saying, if we don't start behaving correctly, we're going to make great pets. <laughs> <laughs> going back to what we were talking about earlier. Right. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a, it, initially that is the song I wanted to be the intro to this podcast, but I couldn't get the rights. So, yeah, it's uh, it's that's an interesting statistic. That's a lot more than I expected to see. But then again, I should I should expect it. Right. Science fiction. There's this thing. Uh, and. I think people are unaware of it or maybe they're aware of it. Science fiction usually ends up becoming science applications somewhere down the road. Oh yeah. It's uh it's it's art imitating life and it just it's bizarre. Because I you know, um what movie was that? I watched this movie as a kid and the guy was talking it's not Star Wars, something like Star Wars, where the guy was talking to a a person on his on a device in his hand, but you see in his face. And sure enough, years later, it's FaceTime. It's a real thing. Was that Star Trek? Uh, no, it's a, it a, a movie I saw on HBO as a kid, and I can't think of the name of it okay. right now. I can't get the, It's an older movie, probably from the 80s, but I saw it as a kid somewhere in the mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, bizarre enough that I, that I, I, the first time in 2010 when I saw an iPhone and the applications they were talking about they were going to have coming. I thought of that movie right away. I was like, wow, 
This is that movie. And uh, then you go back to movies in the past where they, click, they they touch their ear and they're talking to someone that's nowhere near them. Bluetooth has come about. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's art imitating life. Right? Sure. So when you see a science fiction movie, pay attention because some of the most brilliant minds are creating these storylines. Uh, like James Cameron, that guy's ability to have foresight with technology. If you look at the first Terminator and you hear, yeah. like you watch the movie and you talk about before the internet was even a thought, he was describing the internet in that movie to the T. What was it called? Skynet or something Skynet, like that? Skynet, yeah. And he was discussing how Skynet infiltrated all the computers of humanity and turned against us. And in the 80s, when you hear that, you're like, what kind of shit is that? And then you fast forward to like the to, to the mid nineties when the it was nineteen ninety seven when this alleged to happen, but you know it gets pushed back as a it's the movie thing. But anyway, it would be nineteen ninety seven, and you fast fast forward from the eighties to the nineties, and I'll be damned if internet connections weren't very available everywhere, and undoubtedly it was a military application at one point long before we had it in the, in the home. So then the likelihood of that scenario playing out is very likely. And this is a man who's creating movies who really has no science background. He had the foresight to see that. So I always tell people, watch the movies. I'm not saying exactly. I mean, I just spoke with this with Jean-Pierre the other night. Um, if AI were to want to come after us, they're not going to use robots. The resources are, it makes no sense for them. They would just put us in the stone age, turn all the power off and unleash probably a bunch of viruses and whatever's left over, they'd use nanotechnology to finish us off. Right. It's more viable that way, but yeah. Mike, I think, or Adam, I think we lost Mike. I'm not sure. Oh yeah, we did. We did. Well, we're, we're coming to conclusion anyway. Um, Okay. Yeah. So before we wrap up, what do you have anything left for the slide you want to add? Um, boy, there's so much more we could have covered. Actually we did. We talked about society. We talked about religion. Yeah. I, I think we did. Yeah. I think we did cover it all. So, I, yeah. I have that habit of I see bullet points and I start forming. I, I start adding things together. You know what I mean? Because uh, I look at things as a I look at everything as a whole. I try to look at everything as a whole. And when I think of repercussion and reprisal, you always you take what humans do now in in social settings now and you just amplify it by 20. And that's usually how I come to conclusions on things. Because unfortunately, yeah, our behavior yeah, exactly. is pretty bizarre behavior. Uh, we will reach back out to, to Mike here in a minute. Uh, and then for those of you that are listening, uh, oh, yeah, before I go, mention your podcast again and, and any other uh, media you want out there. And I'll put it in description as well. Yes, Mike and I have our po- a podcast. Um, it's on YouTube. It's called... Um, you, uh, we changed the name of it. It's now called UFO No Limits, No Boundaries. So our our next podcast is going to be in, talking about, and maybe Mike or Adam, you've heard about this, a, a being that people call Valiant Thor. Huh. Have you heard of him? I haven't. Valiant Thor, so according to the legend, landed just across the river from D.C. in, a, in a, a field. This would have been like in the 1950s, I believe, and got out of his craft, and a, a police cruiser just happened to buy there and stopped and walked up to this guy 
And this creature identified himself as Valiant Thor and asked to be taken to the Pentagon. And according to legend, the policeman, you know, contacted his superiors. He reached out to the Department of Defense at the Pentagon and they, they took him over there immediately to the Pentagon. And for years, according to the story, he worked with the U.S. Department of Defense. Huh. So I gotta look. Mike and I are going to delve into that UFO legend in our next podcast. Yeah, let me know. I want to hear that. So when you guys release it, I'm gonna I'm not going to research it on my own. I'm going to wait for your podcast and learn it. Okay, sounds good. Excellent. So for those of you who are listening, we're going to say good evening, good day, good night, whatever it is for you. And I'm going to talk to Dan in post.